Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. This is Joanne Wilson, co-pastor at Cool Church. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Uh, today, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm actually read out of the message version. I don't say translation because it's not really a translation. It's a version. A version meant to make the Bible a little more palatable, uh, a little more simplistic uh, in its messaging. But I love the way that this version uh, says what uh, it says. And so if you got your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5. You can also Look at it right on the app. If you don't have the app, download it right now. All the notes from this message will be on the app for you, okay? Uh, so here we go. First Peter 5, 1 through 5, message version reads, I have a special concern for you, church leaders. I know what it's like to be a leader in on Christ's sufferings as well as the coming glory. Here's my concern that you care for God's flock with all the diligence of a shepherd. Man, that's good. That you care for God's flock with the diligence of a shepherd. I love it. With, with all the diligence of a shepherd. Not because you have to, but because you want to please God. Not calculating what you get out of it, but acting spontaneously. Underline this. Not bossily telling others what to do. Not bossily telling others what to do, but tenderly showing them the way. Wow. That could just preach all by itself, and it will. Verses 4 and 5. When God, who is the best shepherd of all, comes out in the open with his rule, he'll see that you have done it right and commend you lavishly. And you who are younger must follow your leaders. But, I love this, all of you, leaders and followers alike, this is a message for the whole church, are to be down to earth with each other. For God has had it with the proud. I'm going to say that one again. God has had it with the proud, but takes delight in just plain people. Today, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to, if you want to give this message a title, you can call it this, The Assignment. The Assignment. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. But this is the day that you have made, God. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, you knew before the earth began to spin on this axis, you knew each and every person that would tune into this message today, that would share this message today. God, I pray that I will lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. I pray that hearts, minds, and ears are open and receptive to a message that will always be about Jesus. Pray that somebody today meets him, is introduced to him in a fresh new way that you give them revelation about Jesus that they never had before. And God, I pray for the one, the one that needs to hear this word the most wherever they are in the world, God, I pray, I pray, God, you find them where they are, you know where they are, and you show up in the way that they need to receive you. I pray right now, God, that we would understand as a church the assignment. We would understand the assignment given to us, 
in Jesus' name. And everyone said, everyone said, take about five seconds wherever you are. And I want you to scream for Jesus as loud as you can. Here you go. One, two, three, go. I like having a studio audience, man. It's going to make me preach harder. I love my Zoom family, man. Thank y'all for showing up, man. You guys are awesome. Miss Annette, I, I see you, Eric. I see you, Kiki. I see you, Miss Frederica. I see you, Jimmy, Cindy. Man, shout out to all the awesome folks. Wilner, I see you. Man, it makes me happy. I love it. I love it. Well, let's dig into this text uh, a little bit. Have you ever heard the phrase in 2021? I see it a lot on on social media, and I, I hear people that are way cooler than myself say it. Um, you ever heard the phrase, um, they understood the assignment? Yeah. They understood the assignment. Well, I ain't gonna lie, uh, when I first heard this term, I had to kind of look it up because I'm not that cool. So I went to the Urban Dictionary. And you know, the Urban Dictionary will tell you everything about every bit of uh, slang and nuanced culture that is out there right now. Uh, like the other day, me and my wife were having a conversation and she didn't know what the word cap meant. And it made me laugh. She was like, cap, why everybody capping? Cap means lie, babe. So when they say no cap, they say no lie. Cause I thought it was fun. I thought it was funny that I was up on game on culture that you wasn't up on. I was like, yeah, no cap. All right. Um, but I looked up the other day in the Urban Dictionary, understand the assignment. They understood the assignment. Let me, let me read the denotation of understanding the assignment. So when someone does a specific activity or thing well, like they killing it with what they got on. Like when my baby girl, when I saw her up here doing her announcements, I looked at her outfit. I said, man, she understood the assignment. Man, <laughs> she, under, she clearly understood. Usually when people see people on red carpets now, you'll see in the comments, like, oh, they understood the assignment. When people do things well, when they dress well, they do activities well, they do things really great. People nowadays say that they understood the assignment. Let me ask you a question. Do you understand your assignment? Just, just in general, like, do you really understand what your real assignment is as a human? See, I, I believe that church, especially in 2021, can be one of the most judgmental places for people because too many people, believers and non-believers, don't truly understand the assignment. I want you to understand today, they don't understand people in church and outside of church, they don't understand the assignment of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They also don't understand the assignment of the church, the pastor and the parishioners. Because people don't understand the assignment, church has become a place that is rejected by people when it should be accepted by people. But it doesn't happen as often as it needs to because I find that often believers don't understand the assignment. When the church begins to understand the assignment of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it will put the role of the church, pastors and parishioners, in the proper perspective. You see, because we don't fully understand the assignment of God, the Trinity, three and one, uh, one and three, because we don't fully understand our role, what we end up doing oftentimes is taking the roles out of context. 
Because you don't have the proper perspective, you don't understand the assignment. I want to make this as simple and as clear as possible for everyone that will see this message today. I'm just going to say a statement, and I hope this resonates in your spirit. Don't confuse your assignment with God's. I know a lot of people that love Jesus, and they are very confused about their assignment. They have confused their assignment with God's assignment. So I'm going to take a moment to be very practical and use scripture so that you first understand God's assignment. Because if you understand God's assignment, it's going to make your assignment so much more clear. First of all, let's talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We'll start with God the Son. It's Jesus's job to save people, not yours. Understand the assignment. It's Jesus's job to save people, not yours. You say, how do you know that? Because I know what John 14, 6 says. It says, then Jesus, excuse me, I'm going to tell you exactly what it says. It says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man gets to the Father except through me. People trying to find all these ways to salvation, there's only one way, Jesus. Let me, let me clarify that for you. The only way to real salvation is not your Uncle Bobby, is not your favorite preacher, even if it's me. I hope I'm your favorite. It's Jesus. It's not the church you go to. It's not the preacher that preaches to you. It is the one that built the church and died for it. He is the only one that has the ability to save people. There are people that I know. You even missionary date because you are trying to save the person that you are with. You do not have that ability. There is only one that saves, and his name is Jesus. It's his assignment. But... Now that we understand God the Son's assignment, what's God the Holy Spirit's assignment? It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict people in order for their actions to change, not yours. Come on. I got to say it because so often, man, people in church put pressure on people to change when it is only through the Holy Spirit's conviction that people actually change. The Holy Spirit comes upon us once we are saved by Jesus and starts to change things within us through his power and through his conviction. And then we start to develop this thing called the fruit of the Spirit because the work of the Spirit is being done on us through this process called sanctification. It's why the Bible says in Galatians 5, through 26, but the fruit of the Spirit, the results of the change agent called the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. Those who belong to Jesus have been crucified with the flesh and with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, may we stay in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, or envying each other. Because people want to do the Holy Spirit's job so bad, instead of changing people, they end up provoking people and envying people because they're trying to do a job that was never designed for them. 
It's the Holy Spirit's job to change people, not you. So we know God the Son, Jesus. We know his job is to save. We know the Holy Spirit. His job is to convict in order for actions to change. But God the Father's job, what is his job? This is the, I, I love this. It's only God the Father's job to judge them, not yours. Can, can I say it again in the words of the famous American writer, theologian, and poet Tupac Shakur? Only God can judge me, not you. Too many people are trying to take the place of God and do something that only God is designed to do. He is the creator of all things. Therefore, he is the only righteous judge of all things because he is righteous and we are not. You cannot be qualified as a judge if you are not righteous because your righteousness is as filthy rags. But the righteousness of God is able to judge unrighteousness because all righteousness comes from him. It is through God, James 4.12 says, there is only one lawgiver and judge. The only one who is able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? The Bible is telling us, and I, I feel like a lot of Christians get this wrong, man. We judge people just by looking at them. They don't even say a word. They walk in the church. Mm, what's all that for? They, they walked in because they're trying to get some things together. They're trying to make a change. They're trying to experience something real, but they get judgment from us when it has never been our job to judge the people that are coming to the house of the Lord. It's Jesus' job to save. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, and it's God's job to judge, and they all understand their assignment. They understand it clearly. So by understanding, the Holy, uh, by understanding the Holy Trinity, God, by understanding their job, it helps us to clarify what the assignment is of the church in 2021. This is why we started a church a couple years ago called Cool Church, created out of love. Sometimes we get judged just by the name. <laughs> but what they don't understand is that we wanted, to, uh, we wanted to do our job based upon the specific assignment that God has given us because we clearly understand the job of Jesus, the job of the Holy Spirit, and the job of God the Father. So we can say that we're a church that is built on love, that loves everyone in spite of where you are on the journey. We love you. We love you. We don't care how you come into this place. We love you and we would love for you to belong here way before you ever believe or behave. We love you. We don't just love people that behave like us. We don't just love people that even just believe like us. Yeah, we want you to believe in Jesus ultimately, but that is not the genesis of our love for you. We love you because Jesus told us to love you. In spite of how you behave, in spite of where you belong, in spite of what you believe, we know that our love for you is not determined by your behavior because we all got some things in our behavior that we're trying to work out. 
I will be the first one with my hand raised saying, man, listen, I can't judge you based upon behavior because I got some behavioral things I need to figure out myself. You see, this is why I love what Matthew 22, 37 through 39 says. It says, Jesus replied, I I love this because the church is built on this. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind. Man, we love God. I don't, listen, what God do I serve? Jesus. He is God. He is everything. I, I, I don't serve gods with other names. I, Jesus. I want you to be clear. This is a Jesus-centered church. I love God with all my heart, all my mind, all my body, all my soul. That's the first commandment. But then Jesus, I love what he goes on to say after this because, man, we truly believe this in our core. It says this is the first and greatest commandment, verse 39. The second is, is, just, is like it. It says, love your neighbor yeah. as yourself. Love your neighbor. You know what I love about this verse? There's no prerequisites. Jesus doesn't tell you what kind of neighbor you have to love in that verse. He just says, love your neighbor. There's no clarification on it. Who is our neighbor? Anyone in proximity to you. So our proximity to God is heaven and earth. God is everywhere at all times. But To God, he put us all on the same planet. Therefore, we are all neighbors. We're all neighbors. So what's my job? Love. I'm going to slow it down for for, for those theologians. Love. (laughs) My neighbor. I'm going to take out your and I'm going to put my because I'm trying to personalize this. You should personalize this when you read this. Love. Uh My neighbor. As myself. You know, I really love me. And I think I need to take the way that I love me and I need to love my neighbors. Not based upon who they are. Not based upon what they've done. Not based upon what they're into. I love that Jesus does not apply prerequisites to love my neighbor, nor is there a command in those two greatest commandments, love God and love your neighbor, nor is there a command in there for us to judge our neighbor. I see it so much in church. Not this church. We love everybody. (laughs) But I've seen it, man. I read love your neighbor. I see judge thy neighbor. I read love my neighbor, but too often from people that I know love Jesus, they judge their neighbor instead of love their neighbor. So if we understand the assignment of God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, and then we just read that Jesus is telling us to love our neighbor, not judge our neighbor as ourselves. what is the assignment of the church? Before I talk about the assignment of the church as a whole, I want you to understand that I, I operate and believe in accountability. So I'm going to tell, tell you about my assignment first, just so you can hold me accountable to it. Is that okay? It's going to tell you my assignment, then I'm going to tell you our assignment as the church. Here's my assignment, the pastor's assignment, if you're taking notes. Let me tell you the pastor's assignment. I've based the pastor's assignment off of Scripture, not of the book or the doctrine of Terrence Wilson, which will get you nowhere. I have based it upon God's Word. 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 3, clearly tells the assignment of the pastor. Why? Because pastor slash apostle Peter understood it very well. He walked and talked with Jesus and he wrote this down in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3. It says, I have a special concern for you church leaders. I know what it's like to be a leader. 
Let me tell you something. If anybody knew what it was like to be a leader, it was Peter. And the thing about Peter is we read his wins and we read his failures. He understood all sides of leadership, but actually got to learn leadership directly from Jesus himself. He says, I know what it's like to be a leader. In on Christ's sufferings as well as the coming glory. Here's my concern. Man, I like how this is written. That you care for God's flock with all the diligence of a shepherd. It says, if you're a leader, you got to be like a shepherd. You got to care for God's flock with the diligence of a shepherd. Not because you have to, but because you want to please God. Yeah. You want to please God? I ain't got to, listen, man, I ain't got to do this. I ain't got to do it. I choose it because I love God and I love you. So I choose the, listen, I'll be, be seeing dudes like, yeah, I want to be a pastor so I can get up and preach. Let me tell you something. Run now if that's what you want to do. That's not why you do this, because this, the stuff that comes with this, the stuff that comes with loving people, Jesus, you, you, you need Jesus to love people like Jesus loved Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Now, now look what it says. It says, you come, he says, it says, here's my concern, that you care for God's flock with the diligence of a shepherd, not because you have to, but because you want to please God, not calculating what you'll get out of it but acting spontaneously. Look at this next part. It says, not bossily telling others what to do, but tenderly showing them the way. Oh my gosh. Tenderly showing them the way. Peter clearly understood the assignment. He understood the pastor's assignment. He understood it because he lived it. I want to read the assignment that Peter has given to men and women that have decided to be overseers and pastors in churches. Listen to what he says, that you care for God's flock with the diligence of a shepherd, not because you have to, but because you want to please God, not calculating what you can get out of it, but acting spontaneously, not spontaneously, not bossily telling others what to do, but tenderly showing them the way. So if I understand my assignment correctly, I'm supposed to be a shepherd. If I, if I, if I'm getting this right, God, if I'm, if I'm trying not to make it too confusing, I'm supposed to be, Joanne is supposed to be a shepherd as we co-pastor this house. I'm supposed to be a shepherd. Okay, I'm going to be a shepherd. I need a shepherd staff. I got my tool to be a shepherd. But I ain't got no sheep. I need some sheep. Let me see. Um, We're going to do this like, like vacation Bible school today. We're going to go straight old like Sunday school illustration style. I need, I need a sheep. So can I have um, sheep Sebastian? Can you come up? Um, I love it. You a big, you a big strong sheep. You a, you a, yeah, I like that. I like that. Just flex on the one touch. Okay. Uh, let, let me get sheep Vava. Come on. Yeah, I like sheep Vava. Come on. You got, you got leopard print on, but you a sheep today. You a leopard sheep. You a, you a fancy sheep. You a va-va-voom sheep. I like that. Let me see. And then let me get, let me get jazz. I need a tall sheep. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. I got, a, I, got a, I got a muscular sheep. I got a fashion sheep. And I got a basketball sheep. All right. I got a tall sheep. I, these are my sheep. And I am a shepherd. Now, I figured that it would be wise of me to illustrate what 
my, my calling is or what my assignment is. Because I think a lot of times, like some people think that they could do my job better than me, but they have no idea what I'm really called to do. So I figured it would be easier for me to show you with the help of my sheep what I'm supposed to do. So before I show you what a shepherd does, let me give you the definition of a shepherd. A shepherd is a person who tends and rears sheep. That's one. And they guide and direct sheep in a particular direction. They tend to and they rear them and they guide them and direct them. So I got I, I got I got to get this pulpit out the way here because I got some sheep to tend to and rear to. And I got some some sheep I got to guide and direct. Now it says tend to and rear. What does that mean? It means that I am with my sheep. I am with my sheep to care for my sheep. There are shepherds because the sheep should know the sound of the shepherd's voice that will tend to and rear to their sheep from the front. So sheep, y'all get behind me, right? And everybody like, yeah, y'all, you know, just kind of give me a, a little march. Come on, come on, sheep. My sheep behind me. Here's the thing, though. As a pastor, I feel like this is not really understanding the assignment because how can I tend to my sheep and rear to my sheep if I am in front of my sheep? I cannot even see my sheep. So what the best shepherds do, they don't lead from the front. They lead from behind. Come on, sheep. Y'all, y'all, y'all right. So y'all stay there. Y'all, y'all march in place. Now, now I love this because a good shepherd, once again, is a person that rears sheep. I love that term rear because literally, like I said, the best place to rear a sheep is where? It's from the rear. I can see what's going on in front of my sheep. I can see if my sheep walking funny. You're walking a little funny, son. All right, walk a little bit. I can see what my sheep are doing and I can make a Adjustments. If my sheep start going in crazy different ways because I'm rearing my sheep, I can see where my sheep are and I can make little adjustments to the way that my sheep are watching. But I can also see what is happening in front of my sheep. And I know I'm aware of what's going on behind my sheep because I got my sheep's back no matter what. So I want to make sure that I'm protecting my sheep. And if you read Psalms, it says thy rod and thy staff come comfort me. The rod is oftentimes for correction and protection. I wish a wolf would come up on my sheep. I got my rod to protect my sheep. I'm knocking them bomb over the head if I need to. I, I, I love this because this is what a shepherd is supposed to do. He's supposed to be here for you. He's supposed to be here with you. I don't like to leave from the front. I le like to leave from the back. Why? Because it is my job as the shepherd to serve the sheep. You cannot serve the sheep if you are not with the sheep. Some people have left sheep behind because they move forward and don't look back, but the real shepherd is behind the sheep making sure the sheep are going in the right direction because here's the thing about sheep. Sheep without a shepherd, they have a tendency to start going in different directions. Why don't y'all just kind of walk in small circles where you are right now? But different, different ways. See, y'all too united. Yeah, yeah, there you go, there you go. Like, this, is what, this is what happens with sheep without a shepherd. They all over the place. Look at the fashion sheep got to be the most extra. I, lo I love it. But this is, what, this is what sheep do. So the shepherd sees what's going on because he's not just supposed to rear and tend to. He's supposed to guide and direct. So when I see my sheep, I love my sheep because my sheep are all different. 
They're all different. They're different places on the journey. My basketball sheep, he might have he been with Jesus a little bit longer. So I let him walk out in the front because he's less likely to do something crazy because he's been on the journey longer. So I don't, it's, not, it's not that I'm not paying him attention. It's just that I trust him more. But what do I do with my staff? He, he going in circles. I'm just, I'm going to just slide you over this way. All right, stop. I want you to turn. I want you to turn, turn. Yeah. All right. Now just keep walking because you're doing good, son. Just keep on going. And this sheep over here, he all over the place. This is a muscle sheep. So that, what I got to do, I got to direct my sheep. He all right, but hey, son, no, no, no. Just I'm, 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 got, no, I'm just guiding you this way. I'm just, I got to get you. I got to get you here because you're in a different place on the journey. I love you because this is what the shepherd do. He has to go to where the sheep is. He can't just, he can't just stay on, on the pulpit and say, oh, sheep, go this way and go this way. Look, this sheep lost. If I stay on the pulpit, I'm going to miss this sheep. So I got to come, I got to come back here and say, oh, my little sheep, come here, come on. Here you go. Here you go, little sheep. All right, there you go. All right. Oh, man, look at this sheep. This sheep walking good. I love this because now the sheep are going in a direction and it is beautiful. And this is the job of the shepherd because I am keeping the sheep moving in a continuous direction. Why? Because here's the thing. I'm not even trying to get them all to the same place at the same time because they all started their journey differently. If you don't, if you don't know the sheep though, you don't know that. And here's what, here's what people try to do that don't understand shepherding. So come, come, come on, come on, my, my muscular sheep, you come over here. This is, what people, this is what people try to do that don't understand shepherding properly. They want all the sheep to be in the same place at the same time. And, and, and you know what they do? They don't tenderly direct their sheep. Sheep, get, get, get your, get, 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 sheep, get your butt up here. Sheep, get, 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 sheep, get, you right here with him. Now he don't been on the journey long. He know where he going. I don't force this sheep up here. And look at look, look, fashion sheep, get sheep. If you don't get your, I, this ain't gonna be the staff. It's about to be the rod for you, fashion sheep. Get, get, sheep, fashion sheep, get your, fashion sheep. Walk, walk, walk with the, walk. Get, y'all sheep better stay. Y'all sheep better not get out of line. Y'all sheep, this is what people do. They see people that come to church that are in a different place in the journey than them, and they try to put them all in the same place and judge them all by the same standards. That's not shepherding. That's not tenderly guiding them where they need to go. I don't have the same expectations for somebody on a different journey. We're all on the same uh, faith journey, but I don't have the same expectations at the same time for all the same people. I want people to get to Jesus and I want to be a part of their journey and I want to tenderly direct them in a direction. Why? Because I'm not trying to take them to a place. I'm trying to get them to a person and his name is Jesus. I am tenderly guiding and directing people towards the direction of Jesus because man, if they get Jesus after a while, they ain't going to be looking for the shepherd that's on earth to direct them, they gonna follow the shepherd where all they gotta do is know his voice and know what direction to walk in. They ain't gonna be waiting on the earthly shepherd to feed them every meal. No, they gonna say, shepherd, you good, but the over-shepherd Jesus, man, he has fed me. He's giving me living water so I don't thirst no more. He's giving me bread that won't come out. So pastor, I love you, but I don't wait for Sunday to get a word because I'm getting it from Jesus all week long because I've attached 
myself to the good shepherd. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Thank you, sheep. You have been phenomenal today. Y'all give it up for my sheep. My job as the shepherd is to what, what Peter says. It says, not bossily telling others what to do, but to tenderly show them the way. Wonder why I'm so nice to everybody? Because I don't know where everybody is on their journey, man. And I don't want my pride or arrogance to leave a bad taste in somebody's mouth that throws them off of the Jesus journey that they were on. As a pastor, I'm not trying to get people closer to me, but I got to get close to them to get them closer to Jesus. Yes. This is the gospel. Everybody's at a different place on the journey. It's not my job to guide you to a lifestyle. It's to guide you to a person. Because if you get to that person of Jesus, he makes all things new. But if I could be honest, here is the hardest part about being a pastor. Everything I do in faith is with the hope that the people that God allows me to shepherd, I pray to God that by the time our interactions are said and done, that they will fully follow him. But the truth is, everyone doesn't. It doesn't matter how well I lead. It doesn't matter how much I try to tenderly guide some people. There are people that will still fall away regardless of what I do. Why? Because I don't have the ability, because I'm not God, the judge of it all, I don't have the ability to discern a, a person's spiritual heart. They might come on this journey excited and for, whoa, I, I, love, I love this. But after a while, they fizzle out, and I wonder why I never get to hear from them again because, man, they might have been excited for a moment, but something in the heart didn't click. It's not my job to see that or discern that, though. That is God's job. My job is to tenderly, while you are with me, to tenderly guide you in the direction. Because here's the truth. There's struggles that appear obvious. And this is why people like judge people's struggles because it's the ones that are easy to see. There's struggles that seem obvious, but there's some that are really complex, man. You might be able to see the surface layer of that struggle that somebody's having, but you have no, no idea how complex that struggle is that that human is going through. But in all of them, because I'm not God, I cannot decipher the complexities of an individual's heart, but I can guide that heart towards God. That's my job. It's like, yo, I don't know all the mess that you came from and all the mess you're internally dealing with. My job, though, is to guide you towards Jesus. Somebody asked me a question on Facebook the other day, and I'll be honest, I didn't respond because I never believed that 140 characters or a typed out statement is, is enough for me to respond. I feel like things require conversations, and, but I'm, I'm honestly glad I didn't because it gave me time to really refre reflect and think of how I would respond, and it, it's, it's affording me this platform right here to have a conversation that I think needs to be had in church about the role of the pastor and the role of the church, and somebody asked me a question after our baptism. They said, man, I know some of them people that you baptized, and I don't know if they, I'm not here to judge the heart of the person that made the statement. I promise you I'm not. Because I will sit down with anybody and have a conversation. But 
based upon certain people that we baptize, here's the thing about when you get baptized. When you get baptized and you make a public confession of Jesus, people that know you going to see. People that knew you going to see. They getting baptized, you don't know what they doing. So somebody that had known some people that had got baptized began to question their very baptism and began to question the nature of the church because we chose to baptize them because they know about the life that they live outside of the house. And he said, Pastor, well, what you, what you think about that? Like, like so y'all just baptizing everybody? Like, y'all just, y'all, 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 just, y'all just cool with that? I have definitely baptized some folks that Christians probably don't agree with. But if you read your Bible, I'm not the first pastor that has ever done that. You say, what? Nah, nah, Pastor, I'm sure in the Bible, you know, all the people that got baptized, that was, they was, they was, they, 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 like, they, they hearts was known and they are. You don't read your Bible. If you think that, you don't read your Bible. And I, I, I don't like to approach problems once again from the school or the theology or the doctrine of Terrence. This is why I like to use the word of God, because I think there's things that people think are so black and white that can only be navigated by the Holy Spirit. Everything's not as clear as you think it is. And this is why you need the Holy Spirit to help you navigate. This is, this is why pastors that don't have the Holy Spirit, you're in trouble because you cannot tenderly guide or direct somebody without the Holy Spirit working in yeah. you to know where you have to lead them. So yeah, there's some people that I've baptized that people that know them say they should not have ever been baptized. Why would you baptize a person like that? To you, I would say, you got to look in your Bible. Look at what Acts, this is right, after Jesus passes, the Holy Spirit comes down, tongues of fire, the apostles are flipping the world upside down for Jesus with, with, this, one, with this one mandate. It says, hey, tell people repent and be baptized. You tell them about Jesus, they get saved through the power of Jesus, and you baptize them. That was their mandate. Holy Ghost-filled uh, uh, apostles were going out into the world. They were preaching the gospel. People were getting saved, and they were baptizing them right there in that moment. Look at Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 13. I'm going to read you this story so you see that your pastor is not the first person to baptize a person that others might bring into question. Look at this. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city. Okay, there's sin number one. Playing with the magical arts, all kinds of dark arts. Sorcery? I am not a sorcerer. I know I'm holding the staff like Harry Potter. I am not a sorcerer, okay? I don't have power. Only power I have comes directly from the Holy Spirit. And the church said? Amen. Sorcerer. So we got sin number one. It says, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed the people of Samaria. He boasted he was someone great. Sin number two, pride. Boasting, someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him, gave him their attention and, and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God? Sounds like a false prophet to me, sin number three. So you got this man who clearly, based upon scriptural context of his life, is a sinner. And it would have been easy for somebody to see that he was a sinner. Look at verse 11. I love this. He says, they followed him because he amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. He was using tricks of the enemy to lead people astray. 
If that don't sound like sin, I don't know what does. Verse 12. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Listen to verse 13. Simon himself believed and was baptized. Simon the sorcerer, when Philip came to town preaching something that was real and something that was authentic, he started to reconsider the life that he lived. This man who was clearly walking in sin, he comes upon a true shepherd in Philip. And it says that Simon himself believed because all Philip preached was Jesus. We know that for a fact. It says, why? Because he says um, that he proclaimed the good news in the kingdom of God in the name of what? Jesus Christ. So he wasn't preaching some crazy doctrine. And they were what? Baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized and followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. So we saw somebody that was living clearly outside of the will of God encounter somebody that has the, enough sense to be a shepherd and preach the gospel and do what they are mandated to do, which is preach the gospel and baptize people. Now, if you keep on reading the story, you'll see that Simon the sorcerer, he wanted to buy the, the power that the apostles had. So what, what is that saying? It said clearly, based upon this word, Simon himself believed. I have no doubt that Simon believed in Jesus and was baptized. I also have no doubt, according to this account, that he was baptized. And get this, if you continue to read the story, he still continued to live a life that was different than what he should have lived as a believer. Am I making an excuse for people to go on sinning? No. I'm trying to tell you about my assignment. My assignment is to see everybody that I encounter get closer to Jesus. Some people taking baby steps and they step right back. Some people take big leaps and they might take a step back and they take a step forward. My job is to make sure every human I encounter knows that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man gets to the Father except through him. And if they desire to make a public confession, I will facilitate that because that is my assignment. The work of them changing on the inside, that's not my job. If you listen to the beginning of the message, that's the job of the Holy Spirit to convict them for them to change. My job, point them to Jesus. I'm going to keep pointing you to, no matter how crazy your life is, I still love you. I'm going to keep on pointing you to Jesus, even when I know you're doing crazy. I'll point you to Jesus because that is my, why would Philip baptize a man clearly in sin? Because he believed and he wanted to be baptized. Why? Because Philip understood the assignment. He said, man, I'm here to preach Jesus and I'm here to baptize people. That's what I'm going to do. That is my job. How they go on living after that is between them and God. It's between them and God. Do you want to see them change? Listen, I want to see everybody change. That's why I'm a pastor. That's why I'm here with you. And when I see you doing crazy stuff, I'm like, no, this way. No, this way. But I can't make you do it. I can't. You know how many sermons I preached that I felt like were in vain? Because I'm like, yo, if you actually just listen to what I said, your life would be better. 
But people don't always do what you say. But you continually lead, point them back to, I don't point you to me, I point you back to Jesus because Jesus can course correct where I can't. I, lo- I, I love it. Because here's the thing. Could you imagine if I only chose to do my job as a shepherd based upon the sheep that I knew would listen? Just think about that. If I only did my job and I left muscular sheep behind and fashion sheep behind because I knew they was hard-headed. What kind of shepherd would I be? I'm leaving sheep because they, they don't fit into the mold of what I think is, is a good sheep? Oh, no, they still ain't getting it. You know, I'm done with them. I'm going to just keep tall sheep because he's the only one that listens. Are you serious? Do you think that's what church is about? Like, how many people would miss out on a real experience with love if I determined in my heart that they were not fit for love based upon their actions? This is what judgmental Christians do in church all the time. You walk in the door and they want you to have everything together and you don't even know Jesus yet. And the ones that do, they're on a journey trying to figure it out. And just because their life doesn't look like yours, you think you can judge them? Like, like some of y'all better thank God that I understand my assignment the way that I do. You better thank God that I'm choo- that because I understand the assignment, I'm choosing to guide you to Jesus instead of judge you based upon what I see. Because if I judge some of y'all based on what I see, you wouldn't be no sheep of mine, I promise you that. But the reality is, I don't see what the world sees. I see what God sees. I don't see who you are. I see the potential in you. So I'm going to continue to tenderly guide you along the way, even if what you are doing does not fully align with what a believer thinks that you should be. I believe if you walk with Jesus and you walk towards Jesus long enough, eventually you will get there. It is my job. It is my assignment to tenderly guide you along the way. But here's the thing. Thank God I don't judge you based upon what I see about you, but thanks be to God, Jesus did not judge you based upon what he knows about you. And he decided to die on the cross for you in spite of knowing that some of us would not choose him anyway. That's Jesus. This is why I point you to him because he's made way greater sacrifices than I could ever make and and did it willingly knowing some of y'all wasn't going to get it right. This, This is the beautiful picture of Jesus. Jesus chooses you even if you don't choose him because he loves you. And my assignment is to tend to, is to rear, is to guide, is to direct people in the love of God, not to exclude them. If I excluded people based upon where they are, there'd be no one in church. So I tenderly guide them and direct them along the way. Don't be mad at me because I'm tenderly showing people the way while God is giving them time to figure it out. That's my assignment. But what's the assignment of the church? The assignment of the church. First Peter. Church's assignment. First Peter 5, 4 through 5. When God, who is the best shepherd of all, comes out in the open with his rule, you'll see that you've done it right. You'll see that you've done it right and commend you lavishly. And you who are younger must follow your leaders. Underline this. But all of you, I love this, leaders and followers alike, I'm not excluding from this. When I say the church, I mean all of us. But all of you, leaders and followers alike, are to be down to earth with each other. 
I didn't see it say judge each other. It said be down to earth with each other. For God has had it with the proud. God, let me translate for you. God's over it. He's over proud people. God has had it with the proud. But he takes delight in just plain people. There's been a lack of humility and a judgmental spirit that I've seen too often in church that shows me that the church as a whole does not fully understand its assignment. When we're down to earth with one another, we don't judge one another or dictate the timeline to somebody's journey. I don't care where you are in faith. You might be an OG, known Jesus for 37 years. It does not give you the right to say how fast she needs to quit that job at the strip club when it's the only job that she knows that she walked into Jesus one week and you think that everything about her is supposed to change in a moment? I'm not advocating for what she does. It's the only thing she knows. When you stuck in something for so long, sometimes it takes time to get out of it. You mad at the dude that's in the trap selling drugs? That's all he know. I'm not happy about that. But what I'm supposed to do, push him out of the church because that's the only way he knows how to make money? No. I'm supposed to tenderly guide him. Like, brother, man, there's another way. I'm supposed to show him the other way. But if it takes time, I can't, I can't, I can't dictate the timetables to other people's lives based upon my own. That's called judgment. But the word that I read tells us that we got to be humble. Why? It's why I start crying when I thought about the cross of Christ during communion today. Because let me, let me read to you the heart of God. This is the heart of God right here. And it should bring you to tears when you read it. 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. This is the part that I think we mess up so often. We think only certain people need to come to repentance and God says, I want everybody. Yeah. I want every last one of them. Yeah. I died for all of them. It should break your heart when you see people not living a life that you know is conducive to a life of a person that loves God, but it should not make you want to rush their process. You had a process and nobody rushed you. It should make you want to come alongside them so that you can bring them along the journey and point them to Jesus because Jesus doesn't desire anybody to go to hell. It makes me mad when Christians judge other Christians. Like what, do you want to see somebody go to hell? No. Like people get excited about it. Oh, look at her. She ain't got it right. Like, do you really want to see her go to hell? Do you really want to see? I don't get excited about people living lives that are counterculture to salvation. But I tenderly guide them because somebody tenderly guided me. And thank God that he is patient. He is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish everyone to come to repentance i'm not going to be a pharisee to anybody i'm not going to even be a pharisee to a pharisee because jesus died for them too i'm not here to judge judgmental people today but what i am trying to be, let people understand is our assignment as a church is to love all not even all that come we gotta love all that won't come and we gotta go to them because jesus doesn't want some of us he wants all of us. God is patient with us on our journey. Why? 
because he's trying to show us we need to be patient with others. This is the assignment of the church. We're quick to judge people whose sins we don't think we're guilty of, but we always have grace for people that are struggling with the same things that we struggle with. No, have grace for everybody. Have grace for everybody. Because the truth is, it's hard to repent of what has not been revealed to you. Some people say they are Christian and they are dealing with stuff and they don't even realize. They don't even realize, man. Like, there's no real change in your life without the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Like, you get introduced to Jesus, he saves you. But when I, when I, I always notice when people really change when the Holy Spirit starts to do something on the inside of them. When you get convicted by the Holy Spirit, that's when the change happens. And that takes time to happen. It's a process called sanctification. It's hard to repent of what has not been revealed. And that's why so many people call themselves Christian, but then you see them doing all kinds of weird stuff. You know why? You're a Christian and you don't realize you're a racist. You better pray to God that he has patience with you to give you time to change by his grace. You call yourself a Christian, but you don't realize you're a sexist. You better pray to God he gives you time to change by his grace. You're a Christian, but you don't realize or have not been convicted of the fact that you're elitist or classist. You better pray to God that he gives you time to change by his grace. Yeah. You're a Christian, but you don't realize you're more political than spiritual. You better pray to God he gives you time to change by his grace. Yeah. You're a Christian, but don't realize you're sexually immoral. You better pray to God he gives you time to change by his grace. You're a Christian and don't even realize that you've been living with an addiction. You better pray to God that he gives you time by his grace to change. Stop living your life judging others because you think you are better than them because of the sins you don't do. And pray that God has enough grace for you to realize there's still some things you need to repent of. I'm praying to God the longer I live, he shows me more things I need to repent of. Because I walk around with this Christ badge, and it's a badge of honor. But I know I'm not perfect. Thank God I still got breath. Because I got time to make the things in me that are wrong right. But I'm not here to judge people who are on the same journey that I'm on. Just because I'm not doing what they're doing does not mean what I'm doing is any less than what they're doing. Stop putting levels on sin because you haven't experienced it. Some of y'all don't know what it's like to be addicted to something. You can't get that thing off your back. But you judging people because they're going through that? Some of you don't know what it feels like to be struggling with what your real identity is. Or what you identify. You don't know what that's like, but you want to judge somebody going through that? Yeah. You want to be mad at them when they call themselves Christian? Why are you mad because somebody with an identity struggle identifies with Jesus even if they don't know what to identify as in their own life? Yeah. Wow. You mad at that? Wow. No, I ain't mad at that. I'm going to keep pointing them to Jesus. He'll work it all out yeah. in his time, not in mine. Just come on the journey with us, man. Yeah. Yeah. Just come on the journey it's why Jesus could make bold statements 
It says, he who was without sin cast the first stone. And everybody had to drop their stones and walk away because he was the only one that was perfect that actually could have thrown a stone and chose not to. He understood his assignment. I'm not even here to judge. I'm here to save. Do we understand our assignment today? We're not here to judge. We're here to love. This is the job of the church. So do yourself a favor today and understand your assignment and work out your own salvation with fear and trembling as Philippians 2.12 says and stop judging someone based upon what you would do because 1 Peter 5.5 5 says very clearly God has had it with the proud. Yeah. Don't come up in church proud, man. God has had it with that. Because if you don't humble yourself, God will humble you. The assignment of the church is to be humble enough to love everyone that wants to call themselves a part of it. That is the job of the church. My job as a pastor is to be a shepherd, but all of our job, where you get in on this, you humble yourself and love anyone that wants to be a part of this. Don't judge them. That's not your job. That's God's. You see, today God is looking for a church who is humble enough to love his people and recognize he was willing to humble himself to save them. You say, how do you know that? From one shepherd to another, I know what his word says. In John 10, 14, 16, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I laid out my life for my sheep. But get verse 16, I love this. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep's pen, I must bring them also. Oh my goodness. For they too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Let's not mess up our assignment because we want to be the only sheep in the pen. Stop judging. You know why Jesus said that? He came for the Jews, God's people. But they were so judgmental of the Gentiles. They didn't, like, they didn't want them to share in salvation. And Jesus says, I have sheep that are not even of this pen. I want to be the church that is accepting of sheep from all pens, all walks of life. I don't want to push them away because I'm too proud of who I think I am because I'm not humble. I don't want to mess up the one assignment. We got one job, church. Love people because there's people coming from other pens. We cannot judge them. The good shepherd wants us to love them because the church needs to have open hearts that are willing to listen to the voice of the good shepherd and be one flock with one shepherd. Jesus did not die for a divided church. He died for a united one. And he's looking for sheep from all over to come into his house so that he could be their shepherd. So we must not judge them. We must love them because the one shepherd loves all the sheep yeah. and his flock. Do you hear the voice of the shepherd Jesus today? Because that's the only voice that can save you. Why? Because he knows his assignment. Do you know yours? 
I don't know who I'm talking to today, but with every head bowed and every eye closed, I know there's some folk from other pens. There's some people that have felt like you've been on the outside of church for so long because so many people have judged you when you was just trying to go after Jesus. You was just trying to follow the voice of the shepherd. I want to tell somebody this. You don't have to have it all right to come to Jesus. I know I didn't. I'm not telling you get it all right and then get saved. I'm saying get saved and get it all right. If you need Jesus today, the voice of the shepherd is calling you. It's his job. It's his assignment to, to save you. And it's your assignment to accept that he has done all the work of saving you. You can't get yourself right. If you could, you wouldn't need Jesus. Understand all your assignment is to do is to receive the love. Receive the grace of Jesus. He'll change you from the inside out. But he takes you right where you are. Because your journey is your journey. And no one else can go on that journey for you. But Jesus did it all so that you would always know you don't have to go on that journey alone. He wants to go on it with you. Will you receive him today? Every head bowed, every eye closed in the kind of three. Say, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I want Jesus to save me. And I'm ready to begin the journey. I ain't perfect. I'm messed up, Pastor. You're going to have to send up prayer, plenty of prayers for me. That's okay. I will. I'm here to tenderly guide you towards the one that can save you. And he'll empower you with that Holy Spirit that will change your life forever because only God can judge you. Not me, not anybody sitting in a pew, not anybody on a pulpit. We can't judge you. That's God's job. We're here to love you to Jesus because he will save you. If you want Jesus as your personal Lord to save you, on the count of three, wherever you are, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Hold it up high enough and long enough. I can't see it. God can. God can. I love it. I love it. God can see it. And he loves you. He loves you so much. More than your hand, no, he can see your heart. So matters, man. Yeah, he already see all the imperfect stuff. He knows it. Give him time. He'll work that out in your life. Just come to him. Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart he was raised from the dead, you're saved. You can be a part of this house. We won't reject you. We won't turn you away because we're just trying to point you to Jesus. So I want everybody to repeat after me. But mean it in your heart. Say, dear Jesus, I've sinned. I'm not proud of it, but I admit it. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness and take the place of my sin. I ask to accept me into your wonderful family. Jesus, I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Man, you said that prayer today. You a new creation. Don't worry about what you've done. Don't worry about what you're a part of now. You keep on walking on this journey with Jesus. Give him time. He will change you from the inside out. Amen? amen. Man, I'm so thankful for everybody that made a decision to follow Christ today. If you did, there's some prompts on the screen. You can even text the word, one word, cool fam, C-O-O-L-F-A-M, to 1-833-675-9430. Should come up on the screen. Man, we love you. We want you to know that it doesn't matter where you come from or what you're into. We love you, and we will not judge you, but we will be here on the journey with you. Hey, 
I can't open up the ceiling and show you what's happening in heaven. There's a party though. And let's do, let's have that same party online. Start hitting those hearts, hitting those likes, hitting those claps. And then the studio audience on the counter, I want y'all to scream as loud as you can. We screaming for you because heaven's screaming for you. Here we go. One, two, three. Let's go. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Man, so thankful for everybody that made a decision to follow Jesus. We love you so much. Hey, I'm going to see you in person next week. Don't let anybody judge you and tell you you ain't saved. You ain't a believer. What matters is God. He's the only judge, and he loves you where you're at. And the Holy Spirit has the power to change you from the inside out. Love y'all so much. God, I thank you for the greatest people in all the world, the people of Cool Church. Bless them as they rise up, as they lie down, as they go out, as they come in, and they're laboring in their leisure. God, surround them with your presence. And God, I pray this week of their life, will be the best week of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you've heard, please consider sharing it with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And always remember that you were created out of love.